So that's kind of how we roll. We, we love to have fun. And um, the, this is a really, really serious subject. We saw this video a long, long time ago and thought this is absolutely something that we need to be teaching on because so much of what we see in our society is, is that we're weakening our children. And so, and just, he just says it so well and it's so funny that he touched on a lot of points that we would have touched on, but he did it much better than we did. So, um, but this is really a serious topic that we wanted to, to touch on. Um, Cam, actually, she's in charge of everything. She called me and asked me uh, like a week ago if I could explain to her why we wanted to talk on this topic and why now. And so I called Dan on the phone and said, okay, so why do we want to talk on this and why now? And Dan said, um, and I quote, Christians are wimpy and times are going to get tough. And I'm like, okay, that's good, but I'm not so sure that would look good on a brochure. I'm not so sure that would go over very well. So the next best thing is I called my, my oldest son, Jordan, who's at college right now. And I told him kind of why we wanted to talk about this. And so these are the words that he gave us. In these times of uncertainty, economically, politically, and spiritually, we believe there is an urgency for us to prepare our children for whatever lies ahead. We have noticed an alarming trend among Christian families who are reflecting the modern ideas that gentleness means backing down, compromising the truth, and accepting fallacy in the name of toleration, and that arrogance is confused with confidence. We fear that this trend will produce many shallow-rooted Christians who will fall at the first sign of trials or persecution, young men and women who won't know how to humbly and gently yet firmly defend the truth, but who will fall into the materialism of this world. That's, that's our, our oldest son wrote that. And so um, that just puts it all into a nutshell. That's exactly why we want to be teaching on this. So as we draw uh, closer to times of revelations, um, whether it's tomorrow or decades away, uh, is it prudent for us to teach our children uh, not to be softened by the things of this world, uh, spiritual, physical, mental? Um, there's a great article that Michael Pearl wrote just about this just recently. In the, he goes, the world is not going to get better. No political party is going to save us. Satan is the god of this world. And so we've got to remind us that even if our children are not going to be, or even ourselves, in a time of persecution, we need to help train them so if that ever happens, they're ready for it. Um, to help your... Um, let me start that over. To help you understand the importance of teaching your child to be spiritual, mental, and physically tough, um, we're going to give you some practical things that we kind of do, some things that we've seen. And we want to tell you we have not arrived. Yes, we have a 19-year-old almost who wrote that very eloquently, but we still have younger ones, and we're still working with it. We, we got, oh, we got to make this guy tougher, or we got to make her tougher in different ways. So we're not, we haven't arrived. We're not super accurate. We're just farther down the road than most people. So, um, spiritually, um, as earlier was talking about Job's story, I mean, Job, Satan came, you know, to God, and God basically said, Satan says, well, you know, I've been looking for people just trying to trip them up, paraphrased by Dan Short. Um, <laughs> God says, what about Job? Have you considered Job? Satan didn't bring it up. God did. And all the things that happened to Job, and Job writes in um, 17.9, Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to his way, and he who, is clean, who has clean hands will grow stronger and stronger. So why is it important for us to be spiritually strong? 1 Timothy 4, 6 and following says, <clears throat> kind of sums that up why, why we need to be spiritually strong. 
In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, dis discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only, only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is, trustworthy, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this that we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. So why is it important now? Why is it important now to start talking about, in this time, in 2009, to start talking about making your children spiritually strong? Um, this, we got this quote off of the internet. Just There's so much out there, and we're only encompassing just a tiny bit. But Christianity in America is under attack. Satan has us in his crosshairs, and we're walking blindly towards the lion's den. We, like the prophet Daniel, need to be firmly rooted in a relationship with the Lord in order to withstand the coming assault. Matthew 24, 9 through 13 says, Then they will deliver you to tribulation or persecution and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time many will fall away and will, be will, will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the ones who endure to the end will be saved. So even if we're not looking at being persecuted, like we said before, just what we've stated in the church of the seven committed things of Christ. I mean, you want your children to be strong in Christ. You want them to have a good foundation. So it's good times or bad times is a very important thing. It's just not, oh, under pressure. Um, since the, one of the quotes you stated, Daniel's story about the lion's day, we all kind of know about, we know that. I mean, he just said, I'm not going to do it. And um, it says in Daniel 6.13, Then they answered and spoke before the king. These are the people who wanted to kill Daniel, basically. Uh, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed. But he keeps making his petitions three times a day. He didn't back down. He just did what was right. And how did he know that? Because he knows that what that's what's God. And we actually have a better advantage than they did because we have the Bible. I mean, most, most people didn't have the Bible and somehow we were becoming weaker, so we need to start using it more. Uh, this is also another, another clip from the Internet. Um, National redemption must begin with individual hearts regenerate, regenerated through spiritual rebirth in Jesus Christ and minds transformed by the filling of them with the absolute truth contained in Holy Scripture. But were once the first order of business of Christian churches, both were once the first order, but now in recent decades took a back seat to more seeker-friendly, market-oriented, church-as-you-want-it approaches. We are entertaining the class and building beautiful facilities. However, we are largely not agents of transformation to communities, cities, states, and our nation. It is hard to make the case that current aggression against churches and Christian, Christianity in America is due to widespread living and thinking like Christ among those claiming his name. We must not only move out of the salt shaker, but we must first regain our taste and become the stinging salt and the shining light that reflects not only Jesus Christ, but nearly 2,000 years of his followers. We may still be persecuted. However, we can at least have the joy of knowing it was for the right reasons. So we, uh, there's the thing that had like the top 10 of uh, anti-Christianity, as you might say, 
in 2008. So this is you know, pretty close. And we picked two. There was plenty more than that. One, because they kind of stick out. Chaplains were fired for praying in Jesus' name. Not one. Many chaplains were just fired because they were praying in Jesus' name. Chaplain, praying in Jesus' name. Kind of sounds, that's your job. And they're like, no, you can't do that. Colorado this year or last year's um, uh, Bill SB 200 states that you cannot pu- uh, publicize the Bible. So you can't print the Bible in Colorado anymore. So because it has anti-homosexual passages in it. So they passed a law that you cannot publish, publish the Bible in Colorado. One of the biggest family, Christian families is there. I mean, we all probably have listened to a radio show. They're there. And they're like, so their publishers, some of their books can't even be done. They have to go out of state because of that, because uh, they put the Bible in a lot of their stuff. So, yeah, and that just happened last year. So it's, it's, it's happening to us. So are, do you feel motivated for making your kids a little bit stronger? I mean, you definitely were because you're here. Um, or soon we'll have kids or down the road. Um, so what are the things that we can do now to help our children? Well, the first and foremost is you become spiritually tough. Your kids, your grandkids are not going to become spiritually tough if you're not spiritually tough. So that means you've got to man up or woman up and uh, start doing the, some of the things that you want your kids to do. Um, first you can do is read the Bible to them. We don't read children Bibles to them. We read the same as we read. We don't try to hide anything. We don't read them songs, psalms. Not until they get older, not until they're getting to the age of marriage. You know, five-year-old. But, I mean, the wars and stuff, we've read to them. We've taken times that we've read as a family. Um, a little short story, my son has an iPod the one in college, and he also has, he's got a, tons of memorization of Bible, so he has it on his iPod. Well, it accidentally got shuffled with, like, his shuffle music. So he was listening to his music, and suddenly the Bible, you know, was being preached, and he goes, remind me when we did it at home. So it was like, cool. We actually did affecting things for him. We didn't totally mess him up. Um, because God's doing it all, because we are totally, we suck. Um, learn Bible verses with them. We just don't learn a Bible verse. A lot of times we learn a chapter. Chapter. My kids are a lot better than I am. I'm a terror memorizer, so I cheat. So um, she makes pictures for me, so I can remember <laughs> So she's really good about changing the word into pictures so the kids can memorize them, which actually helps me also. So memorize verses with them. Our Sunday school here does a great job of giving memory verses to the kids. Find out what they are and help your kids learn them, because at the same time, you're going to learn them. So it's, I mean, Mary and their, their, her team does a great job, but she'll be the first one to tell her. They're to come aside you not to teach your children. If you've ever been in Mary's office, she's got those great examples. She's got three big jars of gumballs. They're huge. A lot of you guys have seen it. And then she's got a little tiny one on her desk. The one on the desk represents how, many time, how much time your kid will spend in Sunday school compared to the time you will spend with your kids. So if you have a chance to go to Mary's office, you can do that's a great site um, for you guys. Uh, when they get older, you can start talking about more deeper things, more doctrine. I mean, what does the Bible talk? I mean, bring them to the guild. My son's here, um, not because I encourage him to, but it's also something they're having to do to go to New, York, uh, New Orleans. It's because they want to be deeper. So we're, we're challenging them. And I will ask them a whole bunch of questions from the morning session. 
So that's one of the things we do. Um, God's lessons throughout the day. Trina has a great example. This just happened like two days ago with Peyton. Oh, okay. I know, I'm skipping ahead. Okay, just following. Um, Peyton is eight, and he came home from playing with some kids in the neighborhood, and he came home with a $20 bill. And he walked into the kitchen kind of with this puzzled look on his face, and he said, um, Mason gave me this $20 bill. And I said, well, what? Mason is six. Why did Mason give you a $20 bill? Well, he wanted me to bring three Nerf guns back to him. And, he, and I said, Do you, does he want you to keep them? Does he want to keep them? And he said, no, he just wanted to bring them, me to bring them and show them, and then he, I was going to bring them home. And I said, okay, you know what, buddy, I don't, do you think this is the right thing? And he said, no, it doesn't seem right. And I said, what you need to do is you need to take the $20 bill back to him and take your Nerf guns and give it to him and say, take this back and give it, put it where you got it. Because who, what six-year-old has a $20 bill? And if he has it, he shouldn't be giving it to a friend. So he, I said, take it, told him, take it back and give it to the guy and tell him to put it back where you got it. So he did, he took his guns over there and he gave it back to him and he came back home and he said, well, I said, how'd it go? He said, well, I gave it to him, but then he gave it to somebody else, another little boy in, in the neighborhood. And I said, oh, okay, you know, I said, do you feel like that's the right thing? Do you think that's, this is a good thing? He said, no. And I said, okay, this is what I think that you need to do. You need to go over to him, go to his mom, mom and say, I just thought you should know Mason gave me a $20 bill that I gave back to him and he just gave it to Daryl. So I think you should know that he gave a $20 bill. Just, you know, just thought you should know. So he did. He got himself on his little scooter and went to the guy's house. He actually ended up talking to the dad. And the boys are out playing in the street. He passed them by and went to the dad. And he said, I just thought you should know that Mason gave me a $20 bill. And, and I gave it back, and he gave it to Daryl. And so his dad said, oh, thank you so much, Mason. You know, <laughs> come here. And Daryl, and he brought them in inside, and he told Peyton, they're not going to be able to play anymore. So Peyton chose to do the right thing. He came home. We talked through it. I didn't have to bring the Bible into it. I didn't say, what does the Bible say about this? This is just how we live our life. This is what we do every day. This is the right choice to make. And that's how, um, it, it's hard to say, okay, are my, are my kids spiritually tough? Are, you know, what, what are the signs of that? Some, making decisions like that, making right choices, those are signs of being spiritually tough. Because that's going to be the hard thing to do. It wasn't easy for him to walk through his friends and give the $20 bill, to give it back in the first place, the poor guy. You know, but he said he didn't feel right about it. So, so those are some of the things you can do. You can just use daily life on them. Um, let them see your struggles. A lot of times we try to hide our struggles from our kids instead of letting them see this. Uh, Trina was doing a talk for moms and more, and like at the last minute, God said, no, I don't want you to teach on this. I want you to teach on this, which was <coughs> basically what happened to us last year with me losing my job and stuff. And it's, I mean, that's kind of emotionally and stuff and at the time she was like really and she explained this to the kids that this is really set on my heart so she, the kids saw the struggle and that hey i'm doing what god wants me to do so your kids need to see that also um let them see how god's working in your life and the good the bad other people things that are happening um i'm a little luckier i work on staff here and i hear something i mean Andrew's got somebody's working house, and someone goes, here, we'll donate all this stuff for you. I tell them about that. I just don't tell them about our lives, but God's working everywhere. Um, so that's what we do. And then, um, once again, don't rely on the Sunday school. You know, it's your responsibility as parents to, you know, and grandparents to help encourage your uh, kids along. 
And I mean, you might want to consider some other things. There's Awanas, there's um, Pioneer Girls, there's Boys Brigade. Most of those things are because Awanas are not around this area, but in other areas, they're really big. Awana is big here, not at this church. And don't go ask Brad, hey, can we have Awanas? Because I know what he's going to tell you. He's like, there's 100 million out here. Choose the closest one to your church, to your house, and invite your friends to go too. And that's, that's part of it. I mean, if you want to use Awanas, it's there. I'm not saying do, don't say don't, but it'll, it'll help your kids put a whole bunch of memory verses in also. Again, just pick something out. There's a lot of things, the memory verses you can do. Um, on the Sunday, so we kind of told you about Peyton and the Sunday. Uh, Trevor, who is now 16, man, he's my one of our quiet. He's not very outspoken. Matter of fact, most of the time what he says is very funny. So if you get to know him, you'll laugh half the time because every time he talks, it's very, very funny. Doesn't talk um, very often, but what he says. But he <laughs> takes the things of God very seriously. In youth group, uh, the counselors know him. I don't know if you get, any of you guys work there, but kids will start acting off during quiet time or during stuff. He's the one that goes, thump, thump. He's actually pulled the chair out of someone and said, you can't be quiet, you have to sit on the floor. See this, and this, if you know Trevor, he is quiet, he is shy, you would never think of this, but when it comes to things of God, he knows that he needs to stand up for it, so that's one, and then Madison. Another example, our 14-year-old, <clears throat> whom I never thought would live past three, because she's just that kind of a child, um, she's 14 now, she has a friend who's also named Madison, and they were at youth group together, her friend Madison is having all kinds of problems at home. And she basically describes a home like we're just five people living in the same, under the same roof. They don't talk to each other. They just don't get in each other's way. There's all kinds of other problems that are going on that are bigger than anything that she has to deal with. So she got a phone call while they were at youth group, and it was from some boy who said, you want to be my girlfriend or something like that. And she got really freaked out about it. So my Madison took her outside and said, do your parents talk to you about dating? And she said, no, they've, they've never, they don't talk to me about anything. They don't know anything that's going on in my life right now. They don't know. So my mass, and we have a very open relationship with our children, and we don't want them to be dating until they're ready to get married. And they're okay with that. They think that's the right thing to do. So she shared that with that friend and said, well, you know what? You don't have, your parents tell you when you're, when you're old enough to date? No, they don't care. They just say, do whatever you want to. And so my Madison shared that with her and said, the reason that is important is because you want to share your heart for the husband that God's provided for you. So she's sharing the things that we've taught at home to friends that have never heard that before. So that, and what Dan was talking about is that we have the advantage having the older and the younger. All the things that you do for them when they're little is for someday. For someday, they're going to grow up and they're going to do this really well. Someday, they're going to grow up and be an adult who's going to share Christ with somebody else. We have the advantage of actually living in the someday. We have someday happening right now. So the someday is George, Trevor, like George, Dan shared, and Madison. They're, they're, we're in the someday, and so we're experiencing the things that are so hard to teach when they're little, but pay off when they get older. It wasn't easy for us to take. I mean, we basically said, okay, we don't want to do what we want to do. We have to read the Bible. We have to do memory verses. Like I said, I hate memorizing. <laughs> You know, so I forced myself to do it so that my kids could see example. I mean, Jordan can memorize. He just had to memorize like half of Isaiah first semester, and he was like, "Done." It's only the second week. How did you do that? I mean, I wish I, I wish I had that. But so there's a part that you have to sacrifice yourself 
for this toughness, and that's going to see it. You want them to be biblically measured, one of the seven things we're talking about. Now, mental toughness. That really doesn't talk about mental toughness, you know, and mental toughness really comes out of experience and how you deal with your experience. Uh, we read a couple of things on it, and um, a lot of times mental toughness comes with physical toughness or spiritual toughness. You know, if you obey God, your mind goes, hey, he, he was faithful. So you learn how to do, how to be more, you know, Christ-like because you're like, that works. You know, so your experience also helps you on that. But um, mental toughness is doing whatever necessary to get the job done. Uh, mental toughness is having the natural or developed, developed, I like bold, uh, physiological edge that enables you to do whatever. And a lot of people you hear, well, I'm not tough. I'm not mentally tough. I'm a weak person. Develop. I mean, it's like a developed thing that we learn. Just like he was saying here, it's not natural for us to do the things of God. We have to go back and have God transform us. Um, so it's not probably natural for us to be mentally tough. And generally coping better than others with the many demands that are placed on us as father, mother, student, employee, follower of Christ. So how do you take those? Um, and some of the things that we came out of that, we thought uh, instilling the unshakable belief that they can accomplish anything through Christ who strengthens them. So they can do anything if Christ is strengthening them through that. And um, he mentioned, I don't know, was it the second one? About how it's not us. It's some guy, that was doing the question and answer. Some guy asked, is spirituality our works? You know, we have to go forward. Or is it the spirit who endows in us? And the guy said, yes. It's both. It's both of those things. So we have to have, we have to teach our children that they need to rely on God because God's the only one that can help them out. So it's a double yes there. Um, sports, great way to, to learn that because they have to follow through. We don't allow our kids to quit anything. If they start something, they have to finish it, no matter how painful it is for us. <laughs> yes, you must practice the piano again. <laughs> Yes, and my kids know like every like instrument out there because the band, hey, you got a lot of kids, you should be in the orchestra. <laughs> so, yes, we have them finish it out. I mean, and a lot of times they're like, I don't want to finish it out. And no, you finish it out. There's mental toughness. School itself, I mean, can be tough. Uh, as your kids get older and they're like, I, we have one hit. I don't want to do this math. I will never learn. This is not going to be a pliable train goes, I thought I would never use it again, but now I'm teaching it to you. So <laughs> turned around and said, hey, here it goes. Um, push them. Just don't let them get by slack. Push them. And when they do complete it, praise them for it. Praise them in front of other people for it. Brag on your kids when they do that. Hard work. Um, I know that kids in this room that have outworked some people just recently, and I've heard about that. Um, so, very good. <laughs> so, kids who've actually worked hard at, you know, work days or whatever, teach them how to work at home. Give them chores. Uh, give them hard chores. We have the advantage, we have two and a half acres, so there's a lot of hard chores to do. A lot of people, well, I live in an apartment. You must know someone who has a house who needs raking. I mean, just raking and finishing a job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ask people around. Hey, I, I live in an apartment, so we have a, a gardener comes around. I really can't do that 
fine people in the church that would love your kids to help out. And they're like, why am I helping someone else do That's part of that mental, you know, part of it, too. It's like, wait a minute, I have, I'm, don't have my own yard, so I'm going to go help someone else do their yard. It's no sense to them. Um, any other things on that? What it takes, what it's going to take is time. It's going to take your time. So if you don't have the two and a half acres like we do or, or any other place, that, if you don't have trees for your kids to climb in, if you don't have anything like that for them to do to help them develop physically and, and Go find the monkey bar still over the cement. Yeah. <laughs> Without a helmet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to take time. So if dads, if you're working too much to be able to take the time to go and take your kid, what would it be, what would it look like for dad to take, one, to take your boy to the neighbor's house and say, we would love to bless you today. What job do you have that we could do? What could we do? For no other reason than to bless them. That's a, and, make, and, and hope that they give you a hard job to do. I, my, one of the things that my 16-year-old uh, went and did with, with Dan's dad is that somebody was cutting down a tree and said, if you want the wood, you can come get it. It was a huge tree, and my father-in-law is old. So really, it was my 16-year-old who was doing most of the heavy lifting. He came home with scratches up and down his arms, and he was so proud. He was like, check it out, Mom. You know, it was, we celebrate things like that. We celebrate those kinds of things. And it was a, a time for him to be able to show that he was tough. It's so important for boys to do that, and there's not a whole lot of opportunities anymore for that. So that kind of led us right into the physical part of it. Um, as you know, kids are getting obese. Kids are watching more TV. Kids are just becoming lazy. If you've ever been in a manager position, you know that a lot of people coming up are like, have no work ethic at all. I mean, I've been a manager plenty of times. I'm like, really? My, at that time, my eight-year-old could outperform you. Why don't I just hire my eight-year-old because I can know I can depend on him? Um, and so, I mean, part of it's working hard. Um, it, I was an athletic trainer, and I had a saying, because I heard it before, pain is weakening, weakness leaving the body. So there's good pain, and there's bad pain. Do your kids know the difference? Do their kids know, oh, okay, that's going to pain. It's going to go away and deal with it. There's other pains. I mean, we're not saying your kids can't cry, your grandkids Yes. We have our kids. There's a, chance, there's a time to cry. There's a time to grieve. Tell you the truth, when it comes to pain, like physical pain, like when they fall down, we, okay, you're done crying. <laughs> that was enough. That, yeah, that one second was enough. And we pit ourselves still. We start whining about, oh, I ache, or I'm getting old. Oh, shut up, you wimp. Get over it. <laughs> we say that a lot to each other, you know, just because, yeah, that did sound whiny and stuff. So teach your kids about the good pain. I mean... If you go in and go, oh, you got hurt, you got hurt. Oh, do you want ice cream? Wait a minute, if I get hurt, I get ice cream? I'm going to hurt as much as I can. I'm hurt. And, I mean, our, before we had kids, this happened to us. We were walking, and this kid was running past his mom. First thing, he wasn't obeying because she was yelling, come back here. But he fell down with his, his older brothers. With their, he was perfectly, I mean, Perfectly fine. Matter of fact, he was like, they were laughing because mom was that far back. Mom got closer and she's like, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? He suddenly poured on the tears. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll go get you an ice cream. He went from laughing to it to crying about it because he knew he could get something from his mom. So are we making them tough? So when they grow older, they go, you mean I have to work? I have to work through this pain? I 
have no medical, so I can't just... I had a friend who pulled his own tooth because he didn't have dental at the time. That's a little tougher than I can think I can be. <laughs> so that's one of the things. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27. It says, Do you know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Only one person is first place. This guy does a great bit on everybody on Barney being... Every, there's five kids running, and they all are winners. No, but that means that the guy who was first, it didn't matter because they're all winners. No, there is one winner. There is one winner. He wins the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. In bo I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So most of that it's talking about mm -hmm. spiritual things. I mean, we kind of put that in the physical, but he said his body. He took control of his body. He didn't let his body just go, woo. So, I mean, and if you read Paul, he has a pain that no one really knows about. He has an infection or something that he keeps dealing with. There's a physical pain he has, and he just blocks it out. So we need to teach our children that. Um, we have a couple more short stories. I got to, we'll finish up. We have friends they adopt. They have four of their own. And they've adopted uh, two, and are adopting another one, and uh, from China. And their second uh, adoption, she has one arm and a half. And the physical therapist said you have to teach her how to fall. And so their kids are gymnastics, and so they have a mat at home, and they pushed her down. They feared her like 400 times. They pushed her down. As a parent, they had to push their kids down so she could fall. Because the reason is because she was coming with bruises around her face because she fell and she didn't know how to roll and stuff. She can fall now better than most anybody here, I bet you, and not come up with a scratch and come up walking. Like, she gets falling, like people who don't know her go, <gasps> and she's up and running. And matter of fact, if you try to help her, she gets mad at you. Like, I can do this. So they did that. Um, another one is Jordan went to college. He played some sports growing up stuff. I wouldn't call him athletic. Um, his roommate, yeah, you can tell him that he knows that. Um, one of his roommates is very athletic, almost played college ball, has this tremendous workout. He, they got like six guys together, they're going to work out, you know, almost every single day. Like by the second week, everyone quit this guy's workout except for Jordan. And his friend said, so why didn't you quit? I mean, everyone else goes, he goes, we don't quit. You know, whatever's going it's, to, it's pain for a minute. It's a pain for a day. It's going to go away. It's going to make me stronger. But that's how, I mean, that's how he's brought up. We said, you don't quit. You start now, you know, next semester, if you want to say, hey, I'm, I'm tapping out, that's fine with us. But he's still doing it. Matter of fact, he told his friend, we got to start working out more. Um, Hebrews 12. Oh, okay. Uh, Therefore, <laughs> since we have so, so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so e easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we hopefully you've learned a little bit. We've, there's so much information, we try to whittle it down. 
to a lot of things. A lot of it starts with you guys, you know, being spiritually strong, being mentally strong, seeing your, your kids seeing this through your life. I mean, I know a lot of you guys have worked hard uh, in careers or in learning stuff. And even though that, that's now and maybe your kids won't see that, you can tell them about that. As a couple, as a person, you can go, I've had hard times. I've had to work through it. There's going to be more hard times that you're going to go. Let your kids see that. Let your kids be part of it. Um, it's very funny. I asked some of the single women in our church about some questions. They're like, yes, we need. So, and for them, they're like, yes, we need strong men. We need men who know how to be husbands before they do their, because they're like, they're all wimps. They don't want to be leaders. They don't want to be, they just want to sit back there and do nothing. Yes, teach them that they have to be strong because we're talking about forward. Even if there's no persecution, our job is to teach our kids to be a better Christian than we are, to be a better husband, to be a better wife than we are. And so part of our thing is to get our kids to realize that and help them Give them the tools to be better Christians, better mothers, better fathers, better, you know, everything. And so that's part of our goal is to make our kids stronger than us. So that's what we do. going to leave you um, our favorite uh, passage is Psalms 127. Most of you guys know that. Um, at the bottom, at the very end, it's talking about the children. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. It's basically at the city gate. So that's one of the things we want to do. We want them not to be ashamed when they speak to the enemies at the city gate. So that's where we have. It's lunchtime. We're over. Thank you. We can you. take questions. Yes, we can take, we'll take questions. You don't have to. You can go or you can. Go ahead. Um, I have a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. And what kind of transitioning from the children's Like I said, most of the time we've just gone straight and maybe taken it slower and have them ask questions. At one time we were reading, Peyton was four? Yeah. Four. So he really couldn't understand it. And we're doing Old Testaments, which is really long and boring sometimes. But we're getting to that part where it seemed like in every chapter someone died. And so we go, Peyton, what happened in this chapter? Someone died. (laughs) You know what? That's all he needed to know right now because what he needed to see it's us reading the Bible to him. He needed to see this is where we go for our information. Now, your nine-year-old will probably have to understand a lot more stuff. My five-year-old just falls You know what? Okay. And it's okay. 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 Are they boys or girls? Boys. Oh, my gosh. There are so many great battles in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And really cool. There's a talking donkey. There's so many cool stories in there that, that if you read them the right way with the right... With the right voices, they are really very entertaining. So especially for boys. Our boys, our girls were the ones that would kind of be off thinking about other things. But there's a lot in there, especially the Old Testament for boys. But, you know, yeah. using the New Believers Bible, uh, it's so wonderful. They really do. It's a great glory from heart to success. Yeah. And he has a, a really good uh, one of the things we do with uh, ouchies or bruises, or we celebrate them. We don't go, oh. So. My uh, 14-year-old daughter was playing Roomba last weekend. Probably broke her tailbone. Kept playing. Oh. 
because she was determined that that was not going to be softer. I mean, she could barely walk the next day. She couldn't tie her shoes. So it's she been fun. She actually couldn't feel her legs. It was rather scary. But she fell at the beginning of Ball and knew she was hurt and wanted to keep playing. So she just played through the pain. And <laughs> and then the next day she couldn't she couldn't feel her legs. And it was it was scary. But it was Dan, because he's an athletic trainer, knew the injury and knew it was she, there's nothing you can do for it. So she was going to be fine. She also played ultimate frisbee on Wednesday. That was on Saturday. So she played ultimate frisbee on Wednesday. So yeah, she just and, goes. I know I'm gonna have pain, so we'll take care of it later by icing and some other and she's stuff. Walking it's, like a cowboy. <laughs> so. Any other questions? Well, thank you for your time. Thank you.